Lighthouse Live is pre-recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. Good evening to you, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, especially those of you joining us all around the world via our international podcasting network. So good to have you with us. And Elaine, uh, another what we call keeper tonight. Just a wonderful opportunity to talk about some great things that God is doing in our area for uh, some people who really need. Uh, a lot of hope and God's grace and mercy and uh, the mercy of his ambassadors, the ambassadors for Christ. Before we introduce you to our guests though, this evening, let's check in for our weekly update from our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of one of the first real-life Jesus freaks. It's 44 AD. The Apostle James is arrested and sentenced to death by order of King Herod Agrippa. The soldier leading James to be executed is touched by his steadfast joy and courage. And on the spot, he cries out, I want to follow Jesus also. I am a Christian. He falls at James's feet. Please forgive me for what I have done. James gives him a holy kiss and says, Peace be with you. Immediately, the soldier is sentenced to death, and minutes later, the two are beheaded together. That's the kind of courage and impact I pray for you and me. For more stories from The Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. And back with you here on Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, and our predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, with us as well. And uh, Elaine, coming up on January 23rd, an awesome yeah, opportunity uh, yeah, to visit uh, live and in person with our friend Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. Going to be talking about a lot of the legal issues and the challenges facing the faith-based community and the church today. Right. Just going to be an awesome time, and Brad actually is, is going to be doing this up and down the state. I'm very privileged uh, to have him here in the Modesto area. Again, that's January 23rd. That's Tuesday, mm-hmm. right? From yes, 10 it to is, 1. 10 to 1 In a brand new year. Can you believe it? And, oh, and a free lunch. And a free lunch. Yes, there it's are free lunches. <laughs> yeah, you can actually have it. <laughs> we'll feed you yes. in addition to everything else. And uh, So if you'd like to take uh, part in that, now we do have a certain amount of uh, seats reserved for area pastors, but we would like anyone who's interested to let us know there is no cost for the seminar and the luncheon you just give us a call we'll be happy to reserve a seat or Mm -hmm. seats for you Uh, just give us a call at 209-544-9571 that's 209-544-9571 or visit our website for more information at www.vibrantcommunities.org that's vibrantcommunities.org and click on that little red flashy dude there that'll that'll, uh, 
uh, that'll do it. Speaking of Brad Dacus, oh, a good technical talk yeah. here. Speaking of Brad Dacus, let's check in now for our weekly update from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Last week, Islamic clerics filed a complaint alleging a hate crime against a pastor who distributed a flyer discussing the true differences between Christianity and Islam. Iran? Oh, no. This occurred in Victorville, California, and upon the request of the pastor, our attorney from our new Southern California office appeared before the council defending the First Amendment rights of this pastor in America to express his religious beliefs. Well, the city council quickly backtracked and assured that they would not bring any action against this pastor. Just another reminder of how religious freedom can be attacked even here in the USA. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. And, Elaine, we have a couple of opportunities coming up if you'd like to volunteer in uh, in our area here. Opportunities are us. This comes from the Volunteer Center of the United Way, where you can help uh, Christmas gift wrap-up with the American Red Cross. This is uh, to help support the American Red Cross. Shoes for kids, blankets for the homeless program. And volunteers are needed to wrap holiday gifts. Uh, and this takes place from uh, through December 21st throughout the county here. So if you're interested in helping wrapping or su- all the supplies uh, that go into this, shoes, blankets, and distribution. Uh, all of this would be uh, very much appreciated. Just uh, let us know, and we'll give you a number in just a moment that you can call for any questions. The Modesto Gospel Mission is having a happy birthday Jesus party and uh, serving up food, a great dinner for the homeless at their annual Christmas dinner and gift distribution. That happens on Friday, December 22nd. And volunteers are needed to uh, help out on this special day with set up clean up, serving dinner, passing out gifts, and just all sorts of special things uh, planned for that time as well. And great folks down there. What a, oh, what a wonderful. great yes, mission. Yes, absolutely. And then, of course, all of the senior facilities. This is awesome. This this really touches a place near and dear uh, in my heart where you can gain a new friend for the holidays and beyond. And want to stress the beyond because it's not just during the holiday season that we want to visit the local care homes and the convalescent hospitals and, and all of the retirement facilities but throughout the year as well, because friendly visitor volunteers can actually take an active role in the lives of these people and just do some incredible uh, things where relationships are formed and the love of Jesus is certainly shared. Now, if you have any questions uh, on any of these opportunities, we invite you to call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. She'll be happy uh, to answer any questions that you might have. You know, speaking of service to many of our, our senior saints there, we also have the opportunity through ABC. We have yes. a caroling group, oh. and they intentionally don't have me sing so that they can... <laughs> Keep the joy. They, they, they pay the you world. not to do that. But, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> they have me. some uh, <laughs> wonderful opportunities to uh, to go caroling at uh, at uh, some of our uh, local um, establishments, uh, long term care facilities, right, and such. Right. And I tell you, you know, Elaine, it is so sad that mm-hmm. some of these people have been abandoned by their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have no friends. The the families have really left them. They are very lonely. Very lonely. And just that act of coming out and 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 making that personal contact, singing some carol. 
Carol's wonderful way to serve them. And uh, Dina Elliott, yes. yeah, one of our volunteers, is heading that up for us. If you'd like, we still, by the time you're listening to this, there are still a couple of dates. A uh, in fact, they week. are doing it right now they're, as they're we caroling speak. Right they're caroling right now. Caroling yeah, right absolutely. Now, as, um, as the sirens are going on. Yeah, hopefully that's, that's not for them. <laughs> or Could <you>. be for me. <laughs> We don't know. We'll find out in a few minutes. But if you would uh, like to avoid the sirens and Carol with the ABC group, yes. well, you can, again, give us a call, area code 209-544-9571. And just a reminder, I think we failed to give out the website, Pacific Justice Institute. <clears throat> if you'd like some more information on what's happening there, uh, their website is pacificjustice.org, and you can contact them at one 305 9129 That's one 305 Nine one two nine. I think we got all the numbers done. I think now, we right? do, and I don't all know right. how you do that. You just pull those numbers out. You, uh, that just amazes me how you do that. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know. The That's evidence of a misspent youth or mis- something. I'm mysteries. Not sure. Okay. You know, as we're thinking uh, of all of the opportunities to volunteer and make a difference in this world, I'm thinking of our special uh, guests this week, and, and they probably have uh, ample opportunities for us to get involved and help out and help out. Uh, not only do they give of their time and talents and treasures, but they also uh, share their hearts as we want to extend a warm welcome uh, this week to Kristen De Arajo, uh, Prevention and Education Department with the Haven Women's Center. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. And also to Gaylene Terry on the Pastoral uh, Women's Ministry staff at First Baptist Church in Modesto. Welcome, Gaylene. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. Uh, it's great to have you both. I know you're both very busy and longtime friends, and uh, you do an, in- an incredible uh, work with women. Uh, here in our community. And as we think about the women here in our community, we also want to think about this broadcast, this footprint of this broadcast actually goes uh, global. It's around the world. And so as we prayerfully consider who may be helped and and, uh, impacted by tonight's message, that's just an awesome thing that the Lord has opened up uh, here with AVC, and we're just so grateful for that. Gaylene, you've been uh, with us for a while, and the Lord has given you uh, a special heart and compassion uh, for women coming through domestic violence. I'm just wondering, when did you sense that this would be an area that you would work in and be involved in? I've had a heart for women for many years. That's my spiritual heartbeat. Probably about 20 years ago when a family member had this in her life, Mm. and we didn't know a lot about it then. It's fairly in the recent history that we've been aware of domestic violence, that it's had a name, that even in our communities, that actions and organizations have come together to help women. So that was my first exposure to it, to the need when it was in my own family. Mm-hmm. You know, when it hits up close and personal like that, we, we tend, it tends to get our attention. And I'm just wondering, Kristen, you probably have seen this too. Um, it seems like within the last, I don't know, I'm thinking 25 years or so, this whole issue of abuse and domestic violence has come to the forefront more, and we're viewing it as a society a little bit differently, aren't we? We have more information now, and it's, it's just more obvious uh, that we can work with these women and actually provide more resources for them than ever before. It's a, a great resource that you all provide at the Haven Women's Center now. You are uh, with the Prevention and the Education Department. You want to tell us what all that entails? Yeah, well, Haven is the um, designated uh, 
agency in Stanislaus County that offers support and services to women and children affected by domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, we offer a variety of um, services for these women and children. We have um, crisis response services. We will send an advocate to the hospital if a client is there and needs us. In fact, uh, if that is sexual assault, the law enforcement or the hospital is required to call us, and so we send an advocate. And then if somebody is affected by domestic violence uh, and wants an advocate, we will send one out. Um, we actually have a safe house uh, in Stanislaus County that is available for women who are fleeing a domestic violence situation and need safety. Uh, we provide that service. Um, we have counseling services and support groups uh, for women and children, and we just we have a variety of services that are just of support and and benefit to them. You know, you really do. And I was checking out the website, and you also help them uh, get ready for jobs and career opportunities and and things like that. You do a lot there. We try, yeah, absolutely. And you've been with the center for for about a year now. About a year now. Mm-hmm. And I think, don't you think it takes a certain compassion? I mean, it takes a special person in Galing smiling because it truly does. I mean, uh, you think of the volunteers that come to the center uh, to help the women. They truly do have to have a heart. Right, and I'm smiling. But it's it can be a difficult place because um, these are women in pain. They've been hurt sure. by the people they love mm. uh, in the issue of domestic violence. You know, differing than sexual assault can be strangers. Um, and, and people out there may be wondering how a person on a pastoral staff at a church ended up where I am now. And uh, I received training through the Haven, so I'm a pastoral staff person, but I'm also a domestic violence specialist. Mm. And it's my joy to serve as a volunteer with the Haven. You heard Kristen mention the crisis response team, and that's one of the ways I serve is I'm one of the people that gets called out to ER. Uh, when there is a victim, um, either called by the police or requested uh, by the person. So that's one way I serve the community, by um, being a part of that team. You know, <clears throat> I think one of the most important things is that we have these kind of resources available mm-hmm. to us. And I don't know if Galen knows this or not, but I'll let you know. Uh, I served many years uh, across town as as a staff pastor before founding ABC here, and you know my perspective on all this came as as an ex cop and then you know as a as a pastor and and uh, you know we uh, we come at that from from one angle and it was so important to be able to uh, network with Gaylene and others and really I learned a lot, I've learned a lot uh, just listening to Gaylene over the years and listening to her feedback. You know, because uh, we male pastors can really trip over ourselves and and actually do some damage with the best of intentions, Mm -hmm. with the best of intentions, uh, but we can. And so very important that uh, we all be okay about taking advantage of, of these resources that are here in town for us and, and, and really the people that have uh, have the expertise. So I, I thank you for uh, uh, being there for us, uh, Galen, and providing that kind of uh, really uh, on-the-job training over, over many, many years. It's a delight for me to be able to serve uh, in this way. It's wonderful that we have you as that resource. Uh, I think of the the term domestic violence, and what what enters our mind when we say that? What does domestic violence look like? And I'm wondering, you know, on any given day, go ahead and, and share. How about I read a definition or okay. communicate a definition Absolutely. that will perhaps help people get an understanding of what it is? 
Domestic violence is a pattern of assaultive and coercive behaviors, including physical, sexual, and psychological attacks, as well as economic coercion that adults or adolescents use against their intimate partners. What I think it's really important, if people can remember one thing, this is one of those things to take with them from the broadcast. What domestic violence is not is anger gone out of control. It's the total opposite. It is a pattern of behavior. So that's very important for us to understand. And it's always about power and control, trying to exercise power and control over another individual. You know, you mentioned the uh, um, was it the psychological aspect or the emotional uh, abuse, and this is something that that can be very invisible um, to people, and yet uh, re- wreak havoc and, and cause scars that that are very very deep and last a lifetime. How do we see that uh, manifested, Gaylene? How do we uh, know when you have those deep emotional? Uh, uh, scars that are that are being inflicted. First, I'd like to acknowledge that I've probably talked with hundreds of women by this point, and many of them that have experienced physical abuse and emotional abuse will communicate that the emotional and, and verbal abuse can be more painful. There, nobody sees it. It is totally hidden. Uh, and physical abuse, even though some abusers know how to, to abuse so that they don't leave marks, uh, but often there is a mark. Uh, some of the, the sh- situations around emotional abuse are uh, the abuser um, ignores the person's feelings and uh, be, is belittling to them. And they are insultive uh, to them. They make accusations of they need mental help. They're crazy. They withhold approval and affection. Uh, they have a very critical attitude, and there's can be name-calling. And this is very common. Nothing the person does is ever good enough. Mm. They cannot ever do it mm. good enough. Nothing is ever okay. Um, they insult friends and family and, and drives them away in an attempt to isolate. Um, can be not real reliable in holding down a job and uh, can want to demonstrate um, financial control uh, over the person. They can be uh, another emotional abuse is threatening to take the children or hurting the children or pets in order to hurt the person. Uh, usually jealousy is huge, and often the person is accused of being unfaithful uh, when they are not being unfaithful. It's just an accusation. Uh, they can sell or break things that are dear to the person, and they can uh, threaten to have uh, the person leave. You know, this pattern uh, of behavior, as we look at the cycles, we talk about the cycles of abuse. Many times, don't you find, Kristen, maybe you would agree, that the childhood of the person doing the abusing, there's something going on there that is very, very wrong, isn't there? Right. It's true that um, often people who wind up in cycles of violence are from 
you know, they've, it's a learned behavior. So somewhere they've learned this behavior, both victimization and, um, battering are both learned behaviors. Uh, and so sometimes we find ourselves over and over in those situations until we learn a little bit about that. Um, domestic violence does have a specific cycle and it's kind of interesting. All relationships start out, um, happy, you know, no one would ever intentionally get together with somebody who is violent. So it always starts with what we call a honeymoon phase. Um, so that's, you know, the original fun, glad to be together with the person you're with. Um, what happens, though, in a domestic violent relationship is that it um, changes and there gets to be this tension building uh, phase that happens. And that's when the person just starts to feel like they're walking on eggshells around their partner. Um, they're not sure what's going on. Something's going on. There's just this tension. And then what eventually happens is an explosion takes place. Um, and that explosion can be a verbal tirade. It can be destruction of personal property. It can be um, the physical abuse that we've been talking about also. Um, and always after that, the cycle comes full circle again, back to the honeymoon phase. So, you know, that looks a lot like, honey, I'm really sorry. You know, I didn't mean that. Here, let's go buy something to make it all better for you, kind of a thing. And then the cycle um, in a domestic violent relationship repeats itself. And um, the cycle almost always grows in intensity and frequency over time. The cycle can be different. It can, uh, it can move within a week. It can, it can take years to cycle back around again. It's, it's not the same in every single relationship. You know, this is a, an incredible thing. A lot of times when you see the women come to the Haven uh, Women's Center, they're caught up in this cycle. And, and maybe you've seen this. We see it here at ABC. They call us and they tell us, well, you know, they, they went back. They went back to that uh, situation. Right. Um, that that in itself, I mean, you provide the help and the counseling, and maybe that's where that comes in, where you can help them to um, recognize those patterns and maybe to learn to respond uh, differently. Well, and there's, you know, it's their choice to to stay in that relationship or to move out of that relationship. And it's difficult for a lot of us, but the average statistic for a uh, We'll say a woman because 95% of abuse is from a male to a female. So we'll just use that uh, um, pattern as we're speaking. Um, it's interesting that, as Kristen was saying, it, it is repetitive. And the average time um, for a woman to leave the relationship is seven times, leaving, returning, leaving, and returning. So it's a real process. Um, these women... Um, we talked about emotional abuse, and they don't see themselves as as we would see them or others because they have been so beaten down uh, right. verbally. Right. They start to believe the lies, uh, the accusations, uh, can believe the lies and accusations. It's very difficult. And sometimes it's even difficult for them to survive on their own. I mean, they may not have the resources available to them. Um, there may be very... You know, very good reasons that they choose to go back. So at Haven, we try to just support them and offer resources that the community might have. Um, we work through um, action plans and safety plans with these women. So should they feel like they need to choose to go back, that um, they maybe have a safety plan for um, getting out the next time that they need to get out and that kind of thing. So at Haven, we really support the woman's choice uh, to, yeah. she's the expert in her relationship. She knows what's best in it. Uh, it's not, you know, they might call 
call the crisis line. It's not always the safest time for, you know, her to leave. It's, it's easy for those of us in the community to maybe say, just, just get out, you know, just leave. But that may not be the wisest choice for her at that moment. You know, there may be a safer time for her to leave and she knows that. Um, and so we have to trust her. And uh, so we offer resources, we offer options and choices, and then um, try to try to get her to make her own choices. Because in a domestic violent relationship, a lot of the choices have been taken away from her. Somebody else is telling her what she can and cannot do. So we're about re-empowering. We want her to make choices so that she can begin to build confidence and you know re-enter the community as a strong, healthy person. Gaylene, let's let's talk about one of the problems uh, that that occurs sometimes in the church environment. Mm-hmm. Let's say a woman has been victimized like this, and and she comes in to a pastor perhaps who is is not well versed and is not recognizing the signs and opens up First Corinthians seven and kind of misinterprets about halfway through that uh, you know you ought not to leave uh, you know your your husband because who knows whether you may uh, bring him to the Lord and and again uh, I think we. <laughs> We often take passages out of context and misapply them. Talk about how we can work through that and how we can better respond as a faith-based community uh, in these types of circumstances from the from the church's perspective. How about some do's and don'ts, Mike? Right. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Okay, first of all, let her know that you believe her. Um, that That is really very significant. Many victims have a huge fear um, that no one is going to believe her. In fact, she's told often that nobody's going to believe her. Um, so that I think I would start there. Believe what the woman is saying. Uh, next would be assure her that God does not want her or her children to stay in a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, in this nation, we have laws that protect women and children. Unfortunately, you said people are listening around the world. Um, I've had the privilege of traveling to lots of nations, and many women do not have that. So that's right. a blessing right. we here yes. in this nation yes. have, Absolutely. that we have laws to protect yes. um, women and children. Um, three, assist her to make a safety plan that, that Kristen was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um Keep an updated list, and we can talk a little bit more about this and give numbers out, but of phone numbers uh, for her to call for help, for legal aid, for referrals to the Haven. Another way would be as a spiritual advisor, help her process where God is in all these circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think also very important is to have somebody trained in domestic violence uh, Meeting and who understands this pattern of behavior. Because truthfully, sometimes, and I would say oftentimes, the abuser can appear as Mr. Charming and Mr. Wonderful, can be a leader in the church, can be a pastor. Mm-hmm. But to his victim, uh, she's terrorized. Um, I've met now, again, broader than the Modesto area, but but uh, I've gone to conferences in the Bay Area and in, in Northern California, and I've met many women who are married to pastors who are victims of domestic violence. You know, I, ladies, I think this is one of those issues that in the church, particularly, we tend to sweep this kind of stuff 
under somewhere where it's hidden and it doesn't come out where what are we afraid to talk about it it's not a safe thing or um it's you know i i know more and more we're hearing about all kinds of things that we deal with pastors uh, pastors wives and many of us in the church and we're not talking about some of these issues therefore um you know the healing is is uh, slowed way down and uh well like i i, I said earlier um this has not been you know, discussed even in the general community for that long of a time mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because uh, of Scripture, the, the, if the Scripture about submission is torqued, um, and there can even be taught that a woman stays whether she's being beaten or whatever. I don't believe that that's what Scripture teaches. Amen. And I think Amen. Scripture yeah. also says to obey the laws in Romans thirteen one, right. And we have laws mm-hmm. to protect right. exactly. um, women and children. So I, I think the church is now waking up, there you go. beginning to wake up, waking up to the reality that uh, domestic violence does occur, occur in, in our churches. But again, I think we need to have trained people Trained people, safe people that people that women can come to, or men, because you know we're talking predominantly about uh, women being the victims, but it can also be reversed. Yes, Absolutely. yes, um, and generally, I would encourage churches to have a woman uh, speak with a woman, Amen. because yes. <laughs> quite yes. truthfully, men can be very scary to women who are victims. Mm-hmm. It, it can be a of very course, yes. uncomfortable yes. Um, situation. Um, some of the don'ts, uh, don't tell her she needs to try to work things out with mm-hmm. an abuser. Most of the research out there shows that marriage counseling in the issues of domestic violence is not real effective. So if that the abuser can get counseling and the victim can get counseling, all the while, we believe we have an all-powerful God, you know, and a God who heals. But, you know, at times that can be grieving the loss of a relationship. Uh, it's a very hard thing. But Well, really, the, the, that healing in the abuser has to take place first, that, that vertical dynamic yes. with God and experiencing, uh, first of all, owning your stuff. and uh, And then, even if... The abuser, if, if it's the male, uh, gets right before the Lord and, and makes a U-turn. There's a whole dynamic of trust that has been destroyed. And I think one of the dynamics we struggle with sometimes is, hey, from the female's point of view, yeah, I know you, you told me you've changed and the pastor told me you changed, but I, I don't buy it. You know, I mean, I've been through this for so long and it's just going to take me a long time to, to, you know, regain the trust and really trust who you are and, and such. And uh, I think on, on the pastoral level, we have to be okay with that. It's just going to take time to heal that, those kind of wounds, right? I absolutely agree with you. And trust has to be earned. You know, Scripture, we can't blindly trust. Um, I'm going to go back to one more do, <laughs> then to a couple more don'ts. Uh, one thing we as a church, capital C, can do is help these women if they need food, uh, you know, if they need gas, yes. uh, if they have bills that they cannot pay, uh, we, if they're one of our sheep, step into that gap and, and make it so that they can live uh, and make it. 
because those basic needs do go on, don't they? They definitely have. And this is very significant because oftentimes women are in that place where they do not know how they're going to make it. You know, we can spot that and we can recognize these things. And and to those of us who have seen and and perhaps experienced uh, and maybe even currently caught up in domestic uh, violence issues, the group Super Chicks sing some of the emotions one might have in their song entitled Stand in the Rain. And we'll be back with more on Lighthouse Live. She never slows down She doesn't know why But she knows that when she's all alone Feels like it's all coming down She won't turn around The shadows are long And she fears if she cries That first tear The tears will not stop Super Chick, Stand in the Rain on Lighthouse Live. That's from the CD entitled Beauty from Pain 1.1. Getting a lot of airplay, as we were just discussing, and it does. It goes through and describes a lot of emotions that uh, a lot of women or people... uh, 
going through an, a, an abusive situation, domestic violence, or uh, any types of those issues. Uh, Lighthouse Live visiting with Gaylene Terry tonight, along with Kristen Deorajo from the Haven Women's Center here in Modesto, and just providing a, a tremendous service to victims of domestic violence and abuse as we think of the women and children that come through your doors. We're just grateful that you all are in the place that you are providing this wonderful service. And uh, we were also talking during the break, and maybe we can can uh, hit on this a little bit, Kristen, the bridge that uh, takes place between the church and the secular uh, world in terms of uh, partnering together. Right. Well, we we are working on something called Common Ground. It's relatively new, but um, Common Ground is a program designed to build a bridge between the faith communities and Haven Women's Center of Stanislaus. Um, Common Ground acknowledges that women of faith encounter specific barriers when facing domestic violence and that um, spiritual healing is an integral part of recovery from abuse. Um, Common Ground seeks actually to um, educate faith communities on the prevalence of intimate partner violence and empower the faith community, lay people and leadership alike, to address the underlying issues of power and control within their own congregation or group. Um, So that we actually can bring some education to the leaders in the church so that um, they maybe have more resource to to help. As you have with bringing Gaylene in, and what a tremendous asset that yeah. is. Yeah, and- this is very exciting to me. Um, myself, along with Melissa Gomez, kind of formulated and, and got the... Um, the groundwork going and kind of worked on the PowerPoints and that kind of thing. We both had, like, passion for it, and now we're just starting to build on that. And so we're looking for uh, networks of faith and spiritual leaders uh, in a coalition that will regularly meet. We don't exactly know what that's going to look like. For myself, since I am uh, a Christian, I will represent certainly, uh, you know, the Christian community and right. seeing how we can network together to educate uh, and equip the church and to get the message out to the church about the reality of domestic violence such and sexual need, assault. Yes, yeah, such a needed thing. And, and, and Gailey and I would imagine as, you know, part of the faith-based element coming uh, to the table on this, you have some other uh, ideas and, and things in terms of, of keeping in mind that we can, can do. Uh, towards helping these people. Right. I'm going to go back to finish up the things to the don'ts. To not do. Yes, because we didn't finish that out. We talked about being wise in the counseling situation. It can be very frightening for a woman to be sitting with her abuser next to her Mm -hmm. in an appointment, and I guarantee you she is not going to be able to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if she does, she really might get it when she gets home. A lot of fear, a lot of fear for her. And because of the reality, because she knows what can happen. Another don't um, for pastors or Christian leaders is to not intervene in the middle of a domestic uh, disturbance. For example, if you get a call, you know, for help, that can be very dangerous uh, to the person who has a heart to help. So we suggest that they call 911. Uh, Mike, you may want to comment on that. Yeah, let me, uh, let me just jump in here as, as a former police officer. That's where a lot of us get hurt, mm-hmm. is in right. the middle of domestic. Because, yeah, because the, 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 the third party coming in winds up getting hurt. And uh, I think, Gaylene, uh, wise words. If it's something that's going down, call 911. 
let that dynamic happen, and then we can, in the, in the on the church side, come in a little bit later and take care of that. We, we really can make the situation a lot worse by walking in an area that we are totally untrained to to, to deal with. Right, and again, of course, giving. Um, I'm going to use woman, and again, acknowledging that it can be a male being abused, but predominantly it's women. Uh, giving the woman. Um, the number to call the Haven, to call a local shelter, mm-hmm. give her the resources she needs to help herself. Yeah. Uh, another don't would be do not add to her feelings of guilt. Yeah. You know, help her understand that it's not her problem. You know, and if guilt and shame have a message, guilt says, I've done something bad, and shame says, I am bad. And we certainly do not want to be shaming <laughs> and and putting guilt on uh, women who are trying to make it. And unfortunately, this this does happen. Um, and do not avoid her or or deny the reality of what she's living in. Uh, and of course, you know, we mentioned the sexual assault area. We, as Christian leaders, are mandated reporters. That's right. That's right. And so our actions, you know, could have ramifications like that of not reporting. When it, you think of children being involved in the whole dynamics with the families and if they're, you know, if domestic violence has broke out and it's, you know, it's out and out uh, a 911 situation, you think of all of the ramifications ramifications involved with the children um do you want to speak to that well the children are definitely affected by domestic violence you know we can pretend that they're not but they are and that's why our agency actually offers uh, several programs directed towards um children and helping them find a a voice a place where they can uh, speak to that issue that they've been affected by um, we actually offer four different programs uh, for different ages. We have what's called a kids count. Uh, that's for um, children between the ages of 4 and 12 who've been impacted by domestic violence. We have a teens count, which is the same, but for 13 to 18-year-olds. We have Trust, which is a 10-week program designed for children 4 to 12 who have been affected by sexual assault. And we also have um, a teen sexual uh, assault support group. And so we recognize that they are affected by um, these things. And so we want to offer resource for them. Kristen, can we go ahead and give out a contact, a number? Someone may be listening right now who needs to and would like to take advantage of these programs Absolutely. and call for more information. Absolutely. Um, our agency can be reached at area code 209 And um, I'd like to give out the National Domestic Violence Hotline Mm -hmm. number, if you don't mind. Um, And that number is 1-800-799-7233. And I would just encourage anybody who, you know, isn't sure who to contact to contact that uh, national hotline number. And they will try to locate the um, nearest agency to the caller. Um, for resource. You know, Gaylene, you mentioned early on as we began our, our time of sharing that there was um, a family member and, and that's how you became acquainted and involved. Um, a lot of times what we see uh, in families, someone may be recognizing a behavior, uh, an unhealthy behavior pattern beginning or may recognize something. What would you say to people who might suspect that something's going on in a, a family uh, situation? Uh, what would you suggest for that? 
Well, they can always call, you know, an agency uh, such as our agency to to find out are there common um, common patterns? Are there, you know, is there anything they can be looking out for? Am I looking for any red flags? And and there are some red flags, although you you might not know. I mean, you could very well get into a relationship with somebody who doesn't seem to have any patterns of domestic violence and then find out after you're together that they do. But there are some predictors. Um, like, did he grow up in a violent family? Because remember, we, we learned that it's a learned behavior. So if, if they did grow up in a violent family, there's the possibility, you know, that they've learned that and are going to pass it on. Um, does he tend to use force or violence to solve his problems? You know, how does he deal with his problems? Know, know what that looks like. Um, does he use or abuse alcohol and drugs? And, and remember, alcohol and drugs don't cause abuse, but they certainly can intensify abuse. So um, that's mm-hmm. important to get across, too. Um, does he have, um, is he jealous of uh, your other relationship and not just with other men that you know, but, you know, with other women and friends, try to, you know, isolate you a little bit. And, you know, and that doesn't always look like a bad thing. That can look like, you know, honey, I just really like to spend time with you. Do you have to go visit your friend today? You know, it can look very subtle. Um, so it's important to realize, you know, we're not talking about big things at the very beginning. Um does he have access to, to guns, knives or, knives, or other lethal weapons? You know, you just want to know those kinds of things. And um, does he expect does he expect you to follow his orders? You know, um, so set out the orders or advice and expect that you should should do that. Um, does he go through extreme highs and lows, almost as though he is two different people? And when he gets angry, are you afraid of him? So that would be a big red flag there. Um, does he treat you roughly, and does he threaten to abuse the pets? Wow. Um, that's very important. That's a biggie. I yeah. tell you, we've got lots more with Gaylene and Kristen from the Haven Women's Center right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involved serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. 
AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike Douglas, Elaine Harlan, and our very special guest from the Haven Women's Center. We have the pastoral women's on staff with uh, uh, the First Baptist Church Ministries, Gaylene Terry, and Kristen DeArajo with the Haven Women's Center. These women dealing with some very difficult issues tonight, domestic violence, and, and uh, you know, there's, a, there's help and healing in all of this, too. And uh, Gaylene, we uh, have been addressing thus far the victim in this situation, which oftentimes is, is the woman. What do we do as a body of Christ when we look at the person doing the abusing, uh, the one who's doing the oppressing, if you will, the abuser? How do we I think that? Um, one important thing is to hold him accountable mm-hmm. for his actions uh, and or his belief systems. Uh, even if he had used alcohol or drugs or whatever, let him know that there's never a reason to abuse a woman or child. So holding an accountable is one. Um, make sure he's counseling with somebody who understands domestic violence. Mm. I cannot emphasize this mm. enough. Right. It's got to be a domestic violence trained counselor who really understands the big picture about domestic violence. And of course, um, work towards the option of reconciliation that's god's heart is is reconciliation and then if that's not possible to help both uh, the victim 
you know, and the perpetrator grieved the loss of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, through all that, you're dealing with a high degree of uh, of, of lying and, and deception, and and so I think on on the part of uh, the church too, there's a, a measure there of just being very wise. And uh, as you said, you know, holding the person accountable and realize that we're probably going to be lied to and things may not be what they appear. Yes, but I have found that we serve a big God Mm. and he has unique ways of bringing truth and life. Amen. And even if it's not on this earth, you know, if somebody thinks they're going to get away with it, um, they will not get away with it. You know, I would. There will be truth. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Amen to that. I may just add a few statistics for you about domestic violence to help people just get a picture of what we're looking at. A woman is beaten every nine seconds throughout the U.S. There are more than four million female victims of domestic violence every year in the U.S. Domestic violence is America's number one unreported crime. Forty percent of all female murder victims are killed by their male partners. One-third of all females and two-thirds of all males who have grown up in violent homes will continue violence in their adult lives. Again, domestic violence is a leading cause of injury to women more than muggings, rapes, and car accidents combined. Startling statistics, and I would imagine you've seen some lives changed, and I know that Kristen has a story, and we're bumping the clock, but would you just share your heart very quickly with us, Kristen? I will. Um, The reason that I am so interested in getting involved with working with women that have been involved in domestic violence is because I actually am a survivor myself. Um, It's been about 15 years now since I was involved in that relationship, um, it was it was the second week of our marriage when I um, discovered that he was going to begin that being abusive. Um, it started over that I spent just a tad too much money for lunch that day and him telling me exactly how it was going to be for the remainder of our marriage. Mm. Um, things that I see now as um, statistics that we show were just reality in my life. For instance, buying the wrong brand of sugar. Uh, was was not appropriate. The sugar would land in the floor, and guess who was told to clean it up? Yeah, that was me. Um, so, just things that I see now, where you know, and we talk about, and and are you know, on the statistics that we we look at and things, those were really realities in my life. Um, the destruction of personal property. You know, the fish tank didn't get cleaned one day. He thought it should have been cleaned. So as a result, the fish and the tank all went into the garbage disposal. Um, Those kinds of things. I mean, things like um, one night coming home in the rain and um, thinking, okay, we're having an argument in the car, but I'll open the garage doors to avoid further argument. I get out in the rain, open the garage door, and on my way into the garage, he gunned the car and pretended like he was going to hit me. And uh, I run inside the house, and when he comes in, I confront that only for him to say, what are you talking about? I was just joking. Can't you take a joke? And so this is called, you know, as we know it, crazy making, trying to cause the victim to think something that was reality didn't really happen. Kristen, can you address um, when this person was coming home from work, how what your thought pattern was? Right. Over time, um, I began to recognize ways that the door would be opened, the sound of the the footprints, whether he was angry or whether it was going to be a decent evening, those kinds of things. You begin to be intimately acquainted with with every aspect 
of, you know, your partner. And, you know, every day I just would mentally go through this list of what did he ask me to do? Did I get everything done that he wanted me to do? Because, you know, if you don't get everything done, then it's going to be argument for the evening. But over time, I discovered that no matter how much I did, no matter how well I did it, it just never was really good enough. And I wanted love. And so in return, I went through, jumped through the hoops to get everything done that, that you know, needed to be done. But it was funny. It just never really was enough. And um, there came a point in time where you found a saving grace from all of this type of, of violence and, and, and abuse that you were right. Um, you know, there, there began to be a point where I thought maybe I am going crazy. <laughs> and so I decided to seek counsel from the um, pastor at, at my church. And uh, he recognized immediately that this was something that he needed to refer me on for. Um, so he um, gave me the number of a Christian counselor whom I consulted um, this gentleman actually was very familiar with the circumstances I was going through, and he actually worked with me and um, understood domestic violence. And uh, we did some counseling individually, of course, and when it was clear that it was just wasn't going to get better, um, that, that I was doing the work, he wasn't doing the work, and he just wanted the relationship to go back together, um, the pastor helped me to understand, or actually the um, counselor helped me to understand that even if he told everyone that he had changed or the whole church believed he had changed, even if everybody was snowed, as the counselor called it, I was the only person that would really know and understand if he had truly changed because I would understand in my heart and his and watching his actions whether or not that was true. And so that did not take place, and so it was clear the relationship could not go back together again. Thank God you got out of it. You found what you needed to find. You were working with women, and God is using your story in a mighty way. We're going to have to have you ladies back because, unfortunately, our time has come to an end this time. Again, we're going to give that number. It's 209-524-4331 for the Haven Women's Center in Modesto. And uh, that toll-free number, again, is one 800 799 7233. Kristen, thank you. God bless you. Gayling, thank you for the mighty work that you're allowing God to do in your life. Thank you, dear friends, for at home for listening in. And until next time, may God continue to bless your lives.